In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Last week we had the feast day of Transfiguration, and today is the leave-taking of Transfiguration. It's fun that they've fallen on Sundays. They don't always fall on a Sunday. So we have today the leave-taking of Transfiguration, and it reminded me that on our trip to the Holy Land, we went to Mount Tabor, and I was asked... Uh, I think by one of the guides on our trip, if I would anoint everyone in our, on our trip with oil that was in a hanging lamp in front of this miraculous icon. Sure, I'd love to do that. So I go over and it's just, you know, it's got a hanging lamp like one of these and I, there's like a little like Q-tip type thing and I start anointing everyone in our group. And then it was like a church, not quite twice as big as ours right now, but maybe not quite as full, but like almost as full. Everyone comes over for an anointing. I'm like, um, I can't stop doing this. I can't say, no, we're good now. That, I did my group, you know. So I just kept anointing this large crowd on the top of Mount Tabor. And now that I'm home, I want to encourage you to go to the Holy Land someday. Uh, make, make a, pray about this. Make some plans to go. But I'm going to let you in on a little secret in as much as St. Ignatius in Mesa, Arizona is not that church on the top of Mount Tabor, this is the place of transfiguration. You don't need to go to that church on the top of Mount Tabor and hope to be transfigured or to see Christ transfigured. He was transfigured. That happened there. And now the secret is, and I do hope you go to the Holy Land someday. I hope we do another trip and we all go. But the secret is, this is the mountain of transfiguration. This divine liturgy is the mountain of transfiguration. This church, if we can look up, and if we will look up to the Father, we will hear this, that we are also beloved. <coughs> this divine liturgy, if we can look up and not be caught up by the world, not be caught up by the ground. If we could lift up our hearts and our souls so they're no longer downward, we could rise up and go up to the altar for communion. So I'm calling all of us to run with Peter, James, and John into that bright cloud that is this divine liturgy and to hear the voice of the Father from heaven. So today is one more chance to look up, to not live forever by the ways of the world, to not let our souls be drawn down, to lift up our hearts, to lift up our eyes from our anxieties and our troubles, to lift up our eyes from our phones. I don't know if you've ever seen these videos of people like getting into trouble because they're looking down at their phone, like walking into fountains and malls and traffic. People are like saving their lives. I think it's a good method, besides it's ridiculous, and we're all guilty of it, or at least I'm guilty of it, maybe not none of you, but I am, of looking down at my phone. We're called to look up, to rise up, to go up on the slope of the divine ascent away from the world. And if we do, we'll see Moses and Elijah with Jesus. And all the law and the prophets, the whole of the scriptures and the teachings of the church, everything is calling us into intimacy with the Father. So today is the leave-taking of the transfiguration of Christ. Amazing. 
Last week, Jesus took Peter, James, and John up to the mountain, and he was transfigured before them. Right? His clothes became shining white. They couldn't even look upon him. Peter, it says, he didn't know what he was saying. Lord, if you want, because Moses and Elijah's with Jesus, Lord, if you want, I'll build three booths. It just says like he just, I'll read it to you. It says like he doesn't know what he's saying. If you wish, I'll make three booths. He was still speaking. <laughs> when a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice said, This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. And with that, once the disciples heard the voice of the father, they fell on their faces and said, filled with awe. And then Jesus comes to them and says, rise, have no fear. And they lifted up their eyes and they saw only Jesus and they came down the mountain. And Jesus told them, and the reason we sing about the cross so much on transfiguration and now the leave taking, if you notice, we've been singing about the cross. If you were here for Orthros, we've been singing about it all morning. It's because Jesus told them that uh, he would, that the son of man, he said, tell no one. And they came down and Jesus told them that he would be suffering at the hands of others. And, you know, speaking about John the Baptist, he was, you know, talking about the cross. So the very next thing that happens, that's the transfiguration. That's last Sunday. The very next thing that happens is the gospel passage we have today. So last week, Matthew chapter 17, 1 through 13. Today, Matthew 17. 14 through 23. It's the very next thing that happens. They come down the mountain, and then we hear about this man with the epileptic son who is possessed. He suffers terribly, falling in the fire and the water. I brought him to the disciples, and they couldn't heal him, which is a little bit of a marvel for both the man and the disciples because Jesus had empowered the disciples to do this sort of thing. He had given them, like, the spirit, the power to do it, and they had been doing it. But they couldn't do it with this boy. And they get in a little conversation about it. Jesus rebuked the demon, came out of him. The boy is cured instantly. And then the disciples said to the Lord privately, why couldn't we do that? We've been doing it for chapters. <laughs> you know, for, for, for all the scripture, like, you know, we've been doing it for weeks, months, whatever it might have been. Why couldn't we do it? And he says, because you have no faith. The interesting thing, after all this that happened on the mountain, Peter, James, and John come down, and he's just kind of a little frustrated. <laughs> you have no faith. No faith. How long am I to put up with you? How long? You know? And he says this. If you have the faith as the grain of a mustard seed, you can say this to this mountain, be moved from here to there, and it will do it. So when he comes down, he's frustrated. You have no faith. But he's not trying to say, like, you need, like, you know, a lake of faith or something. Or, like, a truckload of faith or something. I actually tried to bring a, a mustard seed in. We've never done, like, show and tell in a sermon before. But all we have, it's all crushed. Yeah. So, but they must be really tiny. They're really tiny, right? They're really tiny. They're just, you can see them, but there's hardly, there's not much to a mustard seed, right? And Jesus says, that's the amount we need. If you've got that. So I want to encourage you. Build up your faith at least to that amount and go past it. But if you have that, like, that much, the Lord says you can move a mountain. You can move it from here to there. And it would do it. 
The disciples were not able to heal the boy. They were baffled by it. They were unable. And I started to wonder, what does that tell us? What does it tell us? It may say a lot. It may tell us a lot of things. But at least it tells us that this faith in Christ and this trying this out is a process. On the one hand or one day or one month or one year, things seem to go very well. I mean, even if life doesn't go well, we just find ourselves trusting the Lord in the midst of the difficulties. You know, health issues or money issues or whatever they might be. We're just like, the Lord has this. I'm trusting the Lord. We're good. You know, we get some kind of weird news and we go, the Lord's with us. We're going to trust the Lord in this. But maybe the next hour, the next minute, the next day or next month, we find that really hard to do. I think that's kind of maybe what's happening here. At least it's telling us something like this. One day they can do it. One, one day they seem they can't. And the Lord gives them good counsel. He says, these, this demon that he cast out, the epileptic boy, he said, these only come out through two things. Remember what it said? Prayer and fasting. The call is always to increase prayer and the encouragement that call is to fast. Prayer and fasting. All we need is faith the size of mustard seed. So we need more faith. And the way to get there with all of this is prayer and fasting. So I was told one time, I don't know by who, actually it might have been the abbot at St. Tecon's, the monastery that's there at the seminary. He says that prayer books are like cookbooks. I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. Like I've never thought of that before. Prayer books are like cookbooks. It's nice to try new recipes. You know, we can get in a little bit of a rut and just be praying the prayers, almost like checking off the box. Or because there's difficult, and it's difficult to sit still, we kind of give up on prayer a little bit. Maybe we make the sign of the cross or something, but we just get on with it, the day. Prayer books are like cookbooks to try new recipes. Jesus' prayer can be done at home and on the road. Liturgical prayer as often as you're able. Prayer at night when you wake up or can't sleep or whatever it might be. To stand there in prayer, even for a few minutes. Prayer is difficult. It's hard to do. So to put some effort into it. Elder Simeon Craigiopoulos, our friend, said this. Quote, sometimes we need to stand before the Lord like babies. Let him see that we're crying. Let him see we're in pain, that we want to change. Lord, we love you. No matter how things stand, no matter what pulls us away from you, we wish to be near you in your joy and grace. It's very sweet. Because like all of us can stand before the Lord like babies. Like, how hard is that? Easy. Elder Rodimos of Aegina, who reposed in 1966, said this, Say to the Lord, My Lord, you see me as I am. I have no contrition. I can't pray as I ought. I have many weaknesses. What's more, I don't put forth effort as you would like. What will become of this situation? Help me, Lord. Speak to him as if he's in front of you, just like you're talking to me. If you open a window, light will come in. If everything's shut, where will the light enter? Regardless of whether there's only a little outside, open your hearts to Christ, call on him, and he will help. I've got two more quotes I want to read to you, okay? This one's from Father Roman Braga. 
He said this to people when he met them, and it goes something like this. When you're driving in your car somewhere, just talk to Christ like he's right there beside you. When you're driving in your car somewhere, just talk to Christ like he's right there beside you. Tell him all your problems. And he went on to say, if you only pray when you pray, you will never really pray. If you only pray during like, I'm going to pray in the morning, and then I'm going to go yell at my coworkers or be mad about the driving, whatever it is, get on with the day. If we only pray when we pray, then you will never really pray. Isn't that a great like, thing to think about? So he's saying like, talk to Christ. Do the prayers, get the cookbook out, do the prayers. But then through the day, Lord, this isn't going like I thought. Or thank you for what you've given, or whatever, just all day long, you know? Here's the last one, it's a tiny bit longer, but it's from Elder Ephraim of Arizona. He said this, in my vigil tonight, my heart was a rapid, this is from a journal that's not been translated into English, except I somehow have it. Um, it will be one day published. This is, a, this is a treasure. In my vigil tonight, my heart was a rapid, endless stream of sweetest thanks. I was smothered and blessed, feeling in my soul the forgiveness and mercy of my most sweet Father in God. On the one hand, my entire life has been full of careless deeds and mistakes. And on the other hand, the boundless forgiveness of God has overwhelmed me, making me burst out in tears of gratitude. I opened my arms as wide as I could, in an attempt to let my soul fly in this way, like a whole and perfect sacrifice to my God for everything he's given me. I entreated my Lord to grant beauty and comeliness and a winning garment to my poor soul and account me worthy of a position in the angelic order. Oh my God, what a position this is. My mind cannot grasp it. Down here the sun illuminates, but it also burns intensely. Whereas up there, the uncreated, most white light that covers the transcendent nature of my God will shine supremely radiant upon the angelic orders, but simultaneously will refresh, sweeten, and fill their faces and hearts with inexpressible, inconceivable felicity. Forgive me, my dear God, for what I write. You know my soul's filth. I thank you boundlessly and wholeheartedly. Just so real and beautiful and poetic, but like just crying out, like just let his heart talk. Like he's so good at the cookbooks, by the way, that he could like speak freely like this with the Lord. Because it takes both the prayer books and speaking to Christ like he's sitting with us because he is. Fasting, just a short word. We are so pampered at this present day that we seek for convenience in everything. We want to take everything easy. We want nothing to upset us or displease us, and we don't want to try very hard to overcome ourselves. So when the stomach says, I will have what I want to have, we're like, it's just too strict to keep a fast of any kind. That, by the way, that voice is not of the Lord. Don't follow the fast is not a voice of the Lord. The fast may have to be adopted for you, diabetics, older, younger, pregnant, nursing, little kids. But it's wrong to say we shouldn't fast. It's wrong to say that your priest is too strict so you'll ignore the fasting. It's just not true. I'm actually not that strict. 
but we should all be fasting. When Jesus tells his disciples, when they say, why couldn't we have this virtuous thing? Why couldn't we change what was going on here? Why were we not empowered? He said, well, these only come out through prayer and fasting. So be encouraged. Plus, we have like 36 hours left in the Dormition fast. Fast today. Fast today and tomorrow before the service tomorrow night. And not just fast and not just pray like check the box, but look up. Lift your hearts, lift your eyes up from the world. From the ways of the world, the politics of the world, the darkness in the world, even what they think is light in the world. Do not look on it. Look up, away from it, look to the Lord. Peter sinks when he takes his eyes off the Lord. You remember that story. Elijah is being taken up into heaven, and Elisha had asked, I want a double portion of your spirit. And he says to his disciple, Elijah says to Elisha, if you see me when I'm lifted up, you'll have it. And chariots of fire come from heaven. And Elijah's disciple, Elisha, does not look at the chariots. Keeps his eyes on his master. And a mantle, a cloak, was let down to the disciple, and he was given a double portion of the spirit. Look up. Keep your eyes on Christ. Not on the ways of this world. Let us run with Peter, James, and John. This is the Mount of Transfiguration. Whereas the Lord was transfigured, and we read about it today, the transfiguration for us today is us. The only way we're going to be transfigured, cookbooks, fasting, it's kind of funny, cookbooks and fasting, prayer and fasting, confession, this liturgy, the preparation, forgiveness, setting aside the ways of this world. This is like it. The Lord is so good in 2023 to give us two of these. Last week, transfiguration. Today, the leave-taking. It's what a blessing. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.